0: Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press 1. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies.
1: What a lovely day!
0: In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box
2: office, our heroes
1: take on the monumental task
2: of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies. To truly understand. What it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive. This is Action Movie Anatomy. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? I'm Ben Bateman. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, your official network for movies and all things movie-related. I'm joined today by my co-host, Andrew Guy. What's up? I
0: can hardly stay seated right now. And Steph Z. <laughs> hey
3: guys, how's it going? So excited to be here with you guys.
0: Yeah, this is really an exciting day today. We uh, we
2: recap action movies on this show, as you guys know. Uh, they have to adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, made, well, they are made not after 1981. That's like the baseline rule. But rule number one is, the movie is, the hero always plays by their own rules. Rule number two... At least one explosion. Rule number three, the hero and the villain are always the smartest guys in the room. And rule number four, the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure. Now, sometimes we defy the rules just a little bit. We kind of go outside of those rules a little. This one sort of loosely uh, pertains to it. We are doing Mad Max Fury Road today. Uh, So that's really exciting. It was, I'm just going to go on record and say totally awesome. Oh, God, this movie (laughs) blew me away. I felt like I was a child again watching it. It was amazing. It Uh, did. It
3: kind of exceeded all my expectations, I'm not going to lie.
2: Now, That's we have awesome. deeper thoughts, of course, and the first thing I want to say is, guys, this is going to be an episode with spoilers, so if you haven't seen the movie yet, stop watching this right now, pause it, go watch it, and come right back, because we are going to give everything away. Um, but uh if you have seen it, stick around, and let's get right into it. The first thing we're going to do is we are going to watch the trailer for you guys. The trailer basically is the movie, because it doesn't give away the plot, but in my... Right. Well, we'll get into that. But... uh it looks like the movie, and that's what you're doing, is you're just going to see the movie to look at it. <laughs> so, let's watch the trailer. <laughs> Very eloquently stated. Yeah, yeah. Moreau's yeah. <laughs> scholar, actually. Yeah. Oh, man. This, this is... I am
0: the one oh, who man. Both the living. <laughs> I just I'm get so excited dear. when Tom Hardy talks. A man reduced to a single. Yeah. It, it's nice to hear him use his accent, like, his, his, his near so proper high. accent. Yeah. yeah, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. He's such a badass. Oh, he is. He's. I have a total man crush on him. I think the world does right now. I think so. Uh, yeah. I mean, how could you know yeah.
2: not? Yeah. Right. Um, he seems like he's. He's like kind of really hit his stride.
3: Uh, oh, I don't know about it. He kind of hits his stride in the trailer, but. What? no no, you mean, no, no, I just you mean, mean his, his career. career. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh.
0: Yeah, I mean since you, since the first time I saw him in Inception. That was like the first like I'd seen Bronson, but he, he didn't yeah. kind of like think of who he was then. Right. But when I saw Inception, I was like, "Dude, this guy is a badass. I want to see everything this guy does." And then it just got better and What's better. the mm-hmm.
2: Blackhawk Down. That's that's the one that he shows up in a long time ago. Right. And you don't even yeah. you know, you
0: don't even think is, about that. Right. Yeah. Wow. So he's been out for a while. Yeah, I yeah.
3: What a lovely day! I mean, the costumes, makeup.
0: Oh. oh, the cinematography, the set design. like amazing. It's just... I love that he's got a little Bane mask on for part of the movie. Yeah. yeah that's sweet. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's what I needed. <laughs> so
2: insane. Whoa. If you guys haven't watched the whole 20-minute behind-the-scenes, it's not even like a behind-the-scenes special. It's just 20 minutes of behind-the-scenes footage. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, I pulled a couple clips for later. Okay. but. The it's insane. It's total insanity. It's the world. It's just like handheld cams and just cars exploding in the desert. Right. It's it's so bananas. I'm
3: surprised I didn't use like GoPros and stuff for this as well. No, With, like the. Motocross d- jumping over and stuff like that—that would have been. Else. I mean, they showed some of those scenes, and I think—I wonder if they used any drones. I mean, I'm sure they did. for Yeah, he, like he,
0: he outfitted CL outfitted
2: his camera crew with like 12 crash cams, all different kinds—Canon 5Ds, yeah. like uh, all different like high def cameras—and they were yeah. just like, if these get broken, who cares?
3: So <laughs> rad. That's intense.
0: Oh, it's so good. And it shows. I want to
3: go see it again now.
0: I know, right? I'm going to, I haven't seen it in IMAX 3D yet.
2: I saw it in regular. I'm going to go see it in IMAX 3D this week. Yeah, you I saw know, Did you see it in 3D or just 2D? Just regular. Okay.
3: Are you guys aware that there's a 4D theater downtown yeah. that's showing this movie? Yeah, yeah I was going to go see it, but I couldn't catch and you're, the time. And you like, someone that I went saw this movie and they said afterwards they were physically tired because it was, like, shaking around right. so much. That the chair moves. Yeah, my yeah. friend
0: saw Furious 7 and she, when she left, she was like, I kind of feel like I got my ass kicked in the theater, but yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, so uh,
2: we are going to introduce something new today, guys, uh, and we don't really have a clever name for it. So if you're watching this and you think that we should call it something specific, we're going to call it either bold statement or thesis statement right now. But this is a, a thought about the movie that we each, each as like hosts and analysts, have uh, that is pretty strong. And I'm going to start with you, Steph. Uh, we're going to kind of go forward. She's going to defend this throughout <sighs> the episode.
3: I, I don't know that I'm going to have to defend this one, but I'm going to say that this is the one of, one of the most powerful. Action movies for women ever made,
2: yeah, I mean, if you could think of the uh, the rest of the movies on that list, it would be an interesting list to make, I
0: suppose yeah, I mean the, you got like you got kill Bill
3: right, but if you think about the empowering of the, what's happening here of a woman who's saving other women who have been abused. To, you know what I mean? Like they're all together trying to escape this man force, and and it's funny. I've been reading about this a lot, and in a lot of things that I've read and researched are saying that this is a feminist film. A lot of men are pissed about this film. Men's and,
2: men's rights activists. Yeah, they are. The
3: men. It's <laughs> a real thing. It really is. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're like annoyed with this film, and they're banning this film because there is so much women power, and it's crazy because it wasn't set out to be that way it was set out to be equals but because we live in a society where we're so used to it and this is called mad max we right, want it to right. be the male right. and so when the women is equal the woman is equal then you know, It's it's created to this, oh, it's so feminist, but it was just an equal, which makes you know it seem yeah. that way. It's
0: funny that you say that because this movie is another – it's a testament to what we've talked about before is the two heroes combine to make the perfect hero. They yeah. both need each right. other in this movie. It's, it's not that Charlize just helps Max through the whole entire movie. They both need each other in very many instances. So I don't think that that's fair for people to be yeah. arguing that it's a, a – a feminist movie. I think it's a pretty astute statement, and I, I definitely would say
2: the the initial the knee-jerk reaction that most critics have had is that this is more of Charlize Theron's movie,
0: really, as a character yeah, than yeah, Hardy's. Totally. So, what's yours? Oh, he's <laughs> excited. I'm, I'm scared to say it because it's so. It, it just scares me to even say it. I think this is the best action movie ever made. What? Yep, the best <laughs> action movie, best of movie of all time. All time. This movie is not driven by plot. It's not driven by a great story or great acting. It's driven by just action. It's already in the IMDb's top 25 of their top 250. You look at the other movies on that list that are action movies. Don't even. You look at other movies that are on that list that are action movies. You've got Lord of the Rings. You've got Saving Private Ryan. You've got Pulp Fiction. These movies are all driven by something other than just... You don't even know what is going on in this movie till halfway through. That's when you figure out what the whole plot is. I'm okay. going to jump on your statement because oh. mine is like a... I, it's almost like rephrasing the same statement. I
2: just don't go with the first part of it. Um, my statement is that the franchise involvement, the dialogue, and the story are almost totally irrelevant to enjoying this movie.
3: Absolutely, I would agree with that. 100%.
2: Um it's really just a giant explosion it's a beautiful giant explosion for an hour and 45 an incredibly well choreographed explosion
1: yeah, yeah
2: it, it actually makes you question the concept of what an action movie really is and which we've done a lot of that on this show of course absolutely because we try to establish the, the various categories at the end of the show which will be a really interesting conversation uh, maybe it'll be illuminated a bit more for for myself by the end of the show having talked about it some more but it's hard to loop this in to one of the camps that already exists. What other movie can you think of that exists that is like this movie? Exactly. But exactly. I don't know if that makes it the greatest. It I think that just makes there's it.
0: There's nothing, like you said. i All no agree, it's a class of its
2: own. Yeah. That I'll agree with. But it's difficult to compare it. What can you compare it to? Well,
3: it's difficult to compare it. And I think the reason is because it's almost the bittersweet of the fact that you don't need to relate to this movie to enjoy it, but sometimes when people do relate to the movie, they enjoy it more, and therefore it would make it a more impactful film to be higher on that list. Mm -hmm. But anyone except people who don't like action would like this and that's I feel like what some of the other great action movies do is that plot gets people in to feel some emotion so if they don't just want to see shit blow up they're like okay there's a story here so I feel like I don't know that I agree with that being the reason for that Sure. But, uh, I don't know, I see your point as well. Like, so, I can see both yeah, sides I understand of it. where you're coming so, from. Yeah.
2: So, speaking of explosive stuff, stuff blowing up, uh, uh. We, we are going to get to our fist pump moments. Uh, we are doing it at the front of the show today because we are excited about them and we can't wait to unveil them. The fist pump moment, for those that are not aware of what it is, is a moment where you're watching the movie and you kind of have that subtle, like, yeah. This is so awesome! I can't believe I get to watch the rest of this movie right now. You almost feel thankful to be watching the movie. Uh, So I am going to start with you today, Drew.
0: I'm going to go first. Okay. um, This whole movie is a fist pump moment for me. I know, right? But I have I have two, and I I hope I don't take either of your guys's. uh, The opening monologue. Even when it's just dark and I hear Tom Hardy and him talking about, you know, I was a road warrior. Like, right. I love it. Like, from that moment, I was just like, yes. I don't even know how long this movie was. Like, I usually always look up runtime for two movies. Two minutes. Right. I mean, I just, two hours. Two hours. I just didn't even care. I was just so ready. Uh, so, from that beginning monologue, and then the next big one for me was when they'd just gotten away, or they're trying to get away, and they, you see this dust storm coming. Oh, yeah. And you're like, Oh my God! What is gonna happen in here? And then once you see what's in the dust storm, it gets even better. But just just them going into it, and you see like a smaller car ride into the dust storm. It's just picked up and swept away immediately. You're like, wow, this thing is really, really powerful. So those are those are my two fist pump moments.
3: I'm gonna have to. I think I might change mine. <laughs> no, because I have two too as well. But. I think for me, it was kinda when Martin Joe's face got ripped off. Oh, spoilers so, guys. Spoilers. I mean, you said, you said we were having <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Yeah, we already said it, we
2: already said it.
3: But it was kinda like, are you serious? Oh, it it almost so went great. Tarantino on me with the, like it went very gory for a second, which <laughs> I really liked, and I was like, he just got a hand at his ass. You know, like... What did she was, say?
0: She's like, remember me. You remember remember me, me, right? Yeah,
2: exactly. So a couple questions and thoughts on that. I want to talk about that scene in just a second, but I'm going to share my fist bump moment as okay. well. Um, I had a few that came to mind while I was watching. So oddly enough, the first one, but I changed it from this. I, don't ask me why this is necessarily the reason, but th- there's that scene when Abby Lee uh, is talking to one of the old women in the desert.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And she's she's giving her seeds. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, for some reason, I was like, "This is in the middle of like this absurd." The, I, I think it was just the concept that you have, like the elderly women biker gang. Yeah, and that like, was a,
3: that was a moment too. It was like, "Wait, they're all old women." Yeah, bikers. Yeah, like that was awesome. like
2: amazing. But I was more just like, maybe that's just I'm just into this movie. So when I really thought about it, uh, I think that my fist pump moment was actually when they, when uh, Morton Joe and his gang see that Tom Hardy Charlie there and the Warwick are headed back to the Citadel. It's like, they're headed back to the Citadel! Yeah. And, then, and then the guitar guy's like... <laughs> just gets back, immediately just jumps <laughs> he on the up, truck. Yeah, yeah. The first thing he does, he just jumps out says, and says... Like, I, thinking, oh, I
0: love that he's there at every moment to set the tone with his, his heavy metal guitar. It's just so great throughout it, the whole thing. He's really
2: playing, yeah. by the way.
0: It, I, I was watching behind-the-scenes footage where the audio is super, super low. It's barely picked up. But if you listen closely, you can hear that he's actually playing guitar. so rad. It's a real thing. It's a 132-pound guitar it's absurd it shoots flames it really shot flames yeah it's like a real thing it's the whammy
3: awesome.
0: bar <sighs> oh my gosh yeah whammy the bar the
3: drummers it was just
2: <sighs> I got home and I looked at my guitars and I was like you're not good enough I was like, you're not good enough I'm sorry I love you
1: but you're we'll not good enough put some sparklers on the end <laughs> of your guitar can I do my fist bump moment guys yeah, oh, please. Yeah. please do Steven alright I, I absolutely love this movie I, I love Beyond Thunderdome I love uh, Road Warrior is the best Mad Max mm-hmm. aside from this one I gotta say that's my favorite my fist bump moment was I was sitting in the theater and I got four people four of my friends next to me and we're all watching this movie and I don't think anyone's ex- as excited as I am my girlfriend doesn't even know what the movie's about <laughs> but after that first scene in that 80's style credits just ram right into the screen I was like this is a fucking Mad Max movie I was just so <laughs> yes. excited
3: yeah. Yeah. you very excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were so many fist pump moments. Oh, I could I said, probably name like two movie, or three yeah. more. Yeah. It was very like, you got out of there like jazzed. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree. I, was amped.
2: Yeah. I totally agree. But that's that was why my thought about all the irrelevance of the factors because I walk out of the theater thinking like, what did I really just enjoy? And I was like, I just watched a huge cavalcade of action and everything else around it was completely irrelevant to me. It didn't even have to be a Mad Max movie. Right? Can you say you just watched the greatest action movie of all
3: time? <laughs> I, don't
2: I don't know, know about, about that. that.
3: But if you, if you, I do think back and i wonder too if and again like i'm not trying to be all like women men thing but a lot of women that i know walked out of the theater not thinking that there wasn't an underlying plot from you know and like again it came in the middle but there there was a lot of women that did have been talking about that they had this equal role like even the biker gang being right. elderly women so cool. you know even when you had Tom Hardy when they had a few bullets left right. and Zoe Kravitz yells there's one bullet left and right. he like hands the, the gun to Charlize Stern. she gets the shot yeah. there was a lot of so I feel like women were more in tune to see that uh, and I also think you know the whole Water, especially with like you were saying earlier what's happening here in California with the drought, like the human resources and how we fight over those resources. I feel like there is a lot. The blowing shit up totally trumps all of it and how awesome it is. But if, you know, thinking back or if you see it again because you're not wowed by all that the first time, I feel like there really is a a good story here. There's
0: a lot of underlying tones throughout this movie that you you are distracted by because of how fantastical everything else is. Yeah,
3: Yeah, and it's, like, visually amazing. Yeah, I mean, it it is...
2: And we, we can talk about this more in production, but let's 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 move in right now to uh, star profiles. To, you,
0: did you say you want to talk about the death a little bit more? Yeah, we can get that in, in during. during, right. during the... I'm yeah. just
2: excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I agreed. Guess. Agreed. So uh, <laughs> I want to get into star profiles. The two stars that are really. That drive this movie are Tom Hardy and Charlie Um and I want to look at just a little bit of sort of where their careers were in terms of well reviewed or similar movies in, in the few years prior. So interestingly enough, if you look at Tom Hardy, uh, you list The Drop in twenty fourteen, Dark Knight Rises in twenty twelve, and Warrior in twenty eleven. Um, there's a lot of other movies he's done in the middle there. He's he's got like four or five six other movies, but weirdly enough, for as sort of sexy of a star as he is in the world right now, he's like on the cover of Men's Health and he's he's the yeah. guy. He's totally the it guy right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's like him or Chris Pratt maybe, but I mean, I
0: would say he's probably the it guy right it now. definitely trumps Pratt.
3: Especially after this movie, because that yeah. dark, quiet, yeah, when yeah. he delivers, like, yeah. his role in this, there's such sex appeal to because there's such mysterious, like, there's yeah, a lot rugged, more happening. Yeah. I, I just
2: say Chris Pratt because back-to-back summers, you're going to have Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows what we're going to say in yeah. a few Yeah, weeks. but
3: he's a little more bubble. Yeah, I agree. Yeah,
2: but so, so, so Hardy is definitely the it guy. Yeah. But if you look at, like, what defines his career I mean what I have listed here you have Inception he's a secondary character in Inception he's a character part Mm -hmm. Bronson is an art house movie and it's old and it's old those are all old movies I mean 2011 Warrior is ultimately an off the radar fighting movie that you have to sort of know about it's great (sighs) I love it to death
0: it's one of my favorites
2: you know Dark Knight Rises is the big one that's the one that people knew Tom Hardy from but you don't even see his face in the movie He's what he's wearing a mask voice. the whole time. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs>
3: Freak of the devil. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, and then the drop, which I watched on an airplane. How was that? I never saw it. It's it's just okay. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um, he's. Pretty good in it. It's not
0: anything special. I heard Locke was more interesting. I didn't see Locke. I saw Locke, and I did like it. But you know, the dude's in a car talking on the phone for an hour and a half. That's it. Yeah. So yeah. it's
2: very interesting that a guy could be the leader or the lead actor on the on the billboard for a tentpole like this and be sort of the it guy, and not just a like an art house guy. He's he's the guy right now. Oh, yeah. He's in. He's going to be in every movie. He's got Revenant coming out next year with with DiCaprio. Like yeah. I mean, he's a big deal with the, the fall of the Birdman. Um, But it's very interesting to me that he is sort of succeeding in this way, that only a few guys that I can think of uh, in history, really, movie stars that are super credible, super good looking, like they have all the sex appeal, but they
0: manage to sort of be super famous without being uh, cashing in. He totally has that different look. The, the sex but like you think about like look at like ryan gosling like two years ago like he was the guy or even yeah. a year ago like, yeah but he's yeah. he's a pretty boy like yeah. even in drive you know? but he's
3: got that that roughness about him he, as well he he's not does. that same pretty boy as Channing but Tatum. you but you you
0: look <laughs> at ryan gosling and you look at tom hardy's body type right tom hardy yeah. he doesn't have a chiseled jawline he's stout he's stout he's big he's burly He's rugged like, he's, he's a man he's, he's a badass yeah. yeah it's it's changing
2: yeah it's fascinating right like the other examples i can think of the most famous ones of guys that were sort of like art house darlings and pretty boys that then they kept that for a while before they transitioned into just big time were like johnny depp and brad pitt yeah i was gonna say the, yeah, two, it's the two guys that are like they were very good actors people knew it they recognized it they managed to be credible until they tipped over mm-hmm. you know i mean they're still credible but it's like they tipped into commercialism. more credible than uh, depp still yeah, but I just mean, like, yeah. Depp, with the Pirates, the first one, that's right. when he yeah. tipped into massive Absolutely. commercial appeal. And with, with uh, Pitt, I guess you would probably say somewhere around, like, the mid-2000s, like, Troy era, right. or just before, maybe.
3: Yeah, you know. but I think Pitt still can pull off... He could have played this. Not I think, think he could he, He's yeah. got that ruggedness about him that I don't... I mean, Johnny Depp, yeah, like you're saying, like, he had it, but even when he had it, I think... Like you know, if you think about Pitt and like Fight Club and stuff, like yeah. he has that because it's almost rugged but slightly deranged as well. Mm-hmm.
0: What it is is Hardy is good at doing
2: that. Yeah, you transition from being a not only a, like a media darling and and like a like an art house darling, you transition into your name on the billboard is more important than anything you could possibly do in the movie. That's what right. that's what happens. And and Hardy is reaching the point where he's going to be that guy, but he's not there yet. So it's really right. interesting to see this movie, and we'll talk about this more. This was not really. Like, the fact that this was as good as it is is a complete surprise to everyone. Yeah. It looked horrible. Two months, three months ago when I saw the trailer, I was like... Oh, I really? I was like...
3: Oh, I'm completely... You uh, know what? I'm, I thought from the beginning... And that trailer is the longest trailer that I've seen. I know they produced, what, seven for this yeah, one? Yeah, But I feel like the, the beginning trailers, to me, almost... Hear me out before you jump on me. Go down <laughs> as some of the best trailers for me ever. Uh, I'm a trailer. Because... Because junkie. this is why. I disagree. Well, this is why. Because I'm almost the exact opposite. I hate. You look at so many movies today, the whole movie's in the freaking trailer. Mm-hmm. So when you, when the beginning, when you had the trailers of just them coming across the desert, you know, when they had just the trucks and an explosion here, and they don't t- This last trailer almost told you 80% of what happens in the movie. Right. So I like. The tra- like the tease trailers that they were doing in the beginning that didn't because you got the feel and you heard the noise and it just gives you chills and then you don't know. I feel nowadays a lot of trailers really take away from the end product because sure. you know what you're going into oh. and that's why not because I thought it was the best produced trailer ever right. but sure, it sure. gave me that I want to see this I don't know what I'm going for but I kind of do know what I'm going for it's going to be sick. Yeah, yeah. You
0: know, I absolutely agree I-, I don't know if I agree that it's one of the greatest trailers ever made but I also don't think that when i saw the first trailer a couple months ago i wasn't on board like i was i was stoked i was ready right. uh, i did have a moment in the movie where when he's running and he jumps and he and he hooks onto that right. crane i thought from, from day one, first trailer, that like that's how he gets away. That's yeah. how he gets away in the very beginning. And then you realize that he, no, he gets pulled back in. And I really yeah. like that, because when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, really? They're going to show us how he gets away in the very beginning of the, the trailer yeah, yeah, of yeah. the movie, blah, blah, blah. But no, I, I love the trailer. I definitely don't think it's one of the greatest trailers ever made. <laughs> yeah. But I do love it. All of them. You know, it's,
2: it's funny because, let's be honest, guys. Mad Max, the Mad Max tr- uh, franchise at this point, it's yeah. very dated. If you go back to watch those old movies... Uh, I watched the first two this week just to kind of prep. I remember seeing The Road Warrior as a kid and Thunderdome was on TV a bunch when I was growing up. So I I remember these movies. But, you you know, in the way that this movie's post-apocalyptic vision of the future is very sort of ambiguous to the era, The Road Warrior looks like it's an 80s version of the future. Because all all of the, like, pastel headbands and, like, it's just very 80s. You know, it looks like the Motley Crue video looks to kill. It's like... And so it's the kind of, like... Um, what what's like the word you're looking for? It's like sort of like a nerd darling. This this trilogy. It's the kind of people that like all these kind of movies. These 80s, mm-hmm. very campy, yeah, yep. and right. they have a, a huge attachment to them in a lot of cases because they grew up watching them. But if you go back and you compare those old movies to this movie, it's it's not even the same discussion. Like it's really not even in the same world. Well,
3: I think a lot of that has to do with the costume. There's a lot, you know, a lot of it just has to do with the look of it as well. Mm-hmm. From that campy yeah. look to a more you know, rougher, edgy, rugged, badass look.
2: So, my, my point is that when I saw the. You associate those old Mad Max movies with Mel Gibson. Absolutely. Right. Mel Gibson he was in movies. all of them. Right. Mel Gibson, at this point in his career now, in the, in the modern consciousness is kind of a joke he's not he's not a bad actor it's just he's not taken seriously in the way that he was during Braveheart era you know or these movies he's not even talked about anymore yeah people just don't care so if you when I saw the trailers I was like really a studio put money behind another Mad Max movie I was like I don't care those old movies are campy I was like I wouldn't Mm -hmm. choose to go watch them again if they were re-released why would I see this so for me I was like this just looks crazy I don't know what I'm getting into but aside from Tom Hardy which is the reason that I paid attention (laughs) which is the reason most people paid attention I think uh you know, it's it. Anyway, it kind of blew my mind. Let's move on to Charlize Theron yeah, before we just just go sure. on and on. So Charlize Theron, totally unique actress. Like really, she's and this, amazing. Yeah, yeah. incredible. Um, her three most sort of recent hits would be Prometheus in 2012, Snow White and the Huntsman also in 2012, and Young Adult in 2011. Now I wouldn't have included Young Adult because I know it's like not really at all the same genre. But right. it, it was a movie some people saw. I've heard people talk about it. Yeah. People liked it. The road was a little older. That would mm-hmm. be the one that is way more she's on the not, same she's level.
0: Hardly in that movie, but that movie is phenomenal. Yeah, Ro- very good.
2: It's just it's just so depressing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it's is. the darkest I love movie.
0: a depressing movie. Um, yeah, Give yeah. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> later.
2: <laughs> so Theron is significantly. I don't. She's not older that significantly, but she's at a significantly later portion of her career than Hardy for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, Hardy I'm is really hitting a stride in the last three
0: years. Theron is sort of in that. She's coasting. Yeah, she's kind of yeah. done it all already. She's already won an Academy Award, you know. Like, yeah. she's yeah.
2: Just She could win fun. another
0: Oscar next year if the right part came along. She yeah. could
2: also not be in a movie for five years and we'd probably still see something in five years. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, just be in campaigns and show up for red carpets. That's all it really takes. She's beautiful. Like, she's still beautiful. She'll be beautiful in five years. Yeah. Um, even in this movie where I felt like she had aged a little bit. She I, looks great. She looks great. It's almost.
3: She looks awesome. And um, I feel like it takes a certain kind of woman to play this role. And I think that sometimes they can try and it's done poorly and I think she nailed it.
2: So yeah. when we recast this
0: later, it'll be really interesting to talk about because it's very hard to find someone who can fill these shoes. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, she's
0: she's that character in the movie, like we've talked about in Air Force One, Gary Oldman, The Rock. You talk Ed Harris. Yeah. She's the reason that this movie is so great. Oh, no, I, I love yeah. Tom Hardy, and that's because I have I, have, I have like a matter. I don't crush think either one of, one of them matter. I think you could slot. Like, I don't know, man. I really think that Charlize really carries this movie. <laughs>
2: I think I you'd get ninety percent of the same appeal if you put almost anyone in those roles. I don't Do you? know. No. I don't. Way. Okay, so maybe you'd
0: get the same appeal, but would you get a ninety-eight percent of Rotten Tomatoes?
3: No way. I mean, maybe She's the
0: movie st- wouldn't be as good in that sense. Exactly. I just mean I think I'd walk out of the movie still being like, I just watched this incredible action
2: movie. I don't I, I don't walk away from this going, I loved this movie because Charlize Theron sold me. I go, that car chase scene that lasted an hour and twenty minutes basically. Right, right but if was she insane. didn't if she didn't keep them. it
3: going through, yep. it would have made it more campy and it would have taken away she, it allowed it to be on the same playing field with the awesomeness of
2: action. Let me rephrase that. I don't think she was bad in any way. I think she was great. Yeah. I just don't think that she would in another like,
3: oh, I think there's a bunch of women that could have ruined it. I
2: don't think she's yeah. the reason that yeah, this absolutely. movie was awesome. I do think women could have ruined
0: it. I just don't think that she is important to the movie. She grounds success. this movie in between the crazy chase scenes, her her performances. I mean, when she finds oh, out I, that yeah. the city's gone, that scream she gives out in the desert, she's a phenomenal actress. Yeah. Yeah. She phenomenal. brings this movie together.
3: Yeah, okay. I agree. I definitely disagree with you, Ben. I, I think that she is, <laughs> yes. yeah, I'm pretty sure she is a key point.
2: A cog in the machine.
3: Yeah. Without her, this movie isn't this movie. She's one of
2: those rare actresses that, uh, despite... She's able to play within 10 or 15 years of her age, it feels like, mm-hmm. because I feel like young adult, she plays someone who's like 29 or something like that. That was like a couple years ago. Right. Or 31 or something. And she looks totally bio- like totally believable. Yeah.
3: But not only that, she's such a, like, besides her age and her look, she's such a well-rounded character. She allows herself to go there. Yeah. And she doesn't care. She She's strong in this movie. She's vulnerable. She's tough. She's everything. She's all the she, she gets emotional yeah it's like she uses everything in her for this role and I don't think I feel like not a lot of actors are that good at delivering all that in something especially with the conditions they're filming in and all that like she's I don't know I think she's one of the
2: most uh, like she's definitely one of the most physically commanding just in like the way they do it with her eyes too yeah like really really a physically commanding presence so that I think sells her more than most people on screen but I don't know that her performance is as like paramount to it uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's let's move on. Let's move on to production development. I want to talk about how this movie got made, and it's a really interesting one, just because there are so many. I mean, there are parallels to the old Mad Max movies. The wonderful thing about this is that this is truly—they say from mastermind George Miller on the on the billboard—it's the same production team that did the first three Mad Max movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same. He he produced it with the same people. Uh, even some of the actors are the same.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, he, it's people that he's used forever, and it's incredible yeah. because you. But if you go back and watch those old movies, like I just did, there's not as many parallels as you'd think. Like,
0: in terms of, like, oh, this is a nod to this. There's, like, yeah, two or three. Like, yeah, like, couple, the, yeah. the music box the music whatever box, whatever it is. Yeah. There's, yeah. like, really things staring gives... there. Because I, I went back and watched... I was able to find Mad Max on YouTube. And yeah. And I... First of all, it was pretty tough to watch after watching Fury Road. And the, yeah, fir- I, the first one you know, yeah. 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 Road Warrior is definitely more enjoyable. But, yeah, you're right. There's really not that many... Things, yeah, parallels, if you will.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, like there's the, you said, the music box, and he still has the brace on from when mm-hmm. he gets shot in the leg in, in Mad Max. And there's a few things. One, one really cool thing is that um, so so Hugh Keysburn, who plays Immortan Joe, mm-hmm. yep. is actually the actor that plays Toe Cutter in Mad Max. Yep. Yeah. So he's the villain in both movies, different character but same actor, which is kind of fascinating. And and the great thing is at the end of Mad Max, uh, when he's talking to Mel Gibson's wife, who gets run over by a motorcycle um goes under the wheels if you will um he says to her he's making a joke and he's like she's like um what, he says something about if i took your face off he's like if you know if you've got the sense of humor but if i took your face off that's what toe cutter says and then it's, it's ironic that he gets his face, face ripped off yeah. right and you know 30 years later uh so, anyway, uh, that is kind of interesting. But so, so let's just so first talk about George Miller. So, Miller is a guy who had gone to medical school. He was working as an emergency room doctor in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And he, and he met this guy, Byron Kennedy. Uh, and he met him in, I think, like a, they were working on an experimental film together in 1971. And so they decided to start kind of working on, they won some awards, you know, young, young filmmakers and things like that. And this is in Australia, mind you. So they they work on things together. He graduates. He gets his starts working as an emergency room doctor. They save a bunch of money. They spend most of the money they have with with Kennedy Miller, which is their production company they create, to make Mad Max. And they make it for, we'll talk about the budget later, but $365,000. And the movie goes on to make an enormous amount of money, break all kinds of records, and spawn the whole franchise. And that's what really launches the whole career. But had this movie been a flop, George Miller would have been a doctor. (laughs)
0: Right. What a terrible thing to fall back on. I know he was a doctor. He was working in emergency. Exactly. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think when you say mastermind George Miller, it's just this movie just epitomizes that man. And even in Tom Hardy at Cannes Film Festival, he apologizes publicly. He says, you know, there was times when we were we were shooting the movie and it just seemed so complex and so just like just ridiculous. It was too much for what was happening. Like this plot is so simple and so linear. Why is all this happening? And then the first time he saw the movie, he was like, I immediately had to apologize to George because I had no idea what I was talking about. This is a masterpiece. It is, yeah, it is
2: totally insane, like insane in that sense. You think about every one of those stunts that I was talking to you guys during during the trailer, but I'll say it again, if... If anybody's interested, just YouTube behind-the-scenes Mad Max Fury Road. Because the first YouTube video is just handheld footage of 20 minutes of just a, just a cam just on behind-the-scenes. And it goes chronologically through the whole movie. Yeah. And it's so crazy. We'll show some of this a little later, but it's like they do 90% of the stunts in this movie. 90% yeah. of the stunts are it's done practically. Crazy. And they are
0: insane. Yeah, which yeah. is a testament to you, Academy, right now. This is me, Andrew Guy, talking to you, Academy. Listen up. Give... Us a stunt coordinator, Academy Award. This movie is insane. How can you not give credit to these guys? Yeah, yeah. Ninety percent of this is real. Are you kidding me? I'm floored that that doesn't exist.
2: Yeah, they voted I against it in what? Two thousand
0: eleven,
3: I, I think you said
2: something like that. Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. Definitely it's crazy, pretty nuts. So, so uh, George Miller makes this movie. His next two movies are made with Kennedy Kennedy Miller uh, and Byron Kennedy, who unfortunately dies in a helicopter crash in 1983. So he's working on this movie. Doug Mitchell comes on. It's another guy he knows. Kind of replaces him in terms of the the production development, the partner. They do all three of the movies together. And from that point, after 1985, he doesn't do another Mad Max movie until this one. So there's a massive gap. There's a 30-year gap. And some of the movies that George Miller wrote and directed (laughs) are going to kind of blow your mind. Uh, listeners, so to name a few, um, the ones that are like dramatic or interesting that you might be like, okay, I could see he does in '87 he is "Witches of Eastwick," which is the
0: last R-rated movie he he directed, yeah, thirty right. years ago, almost. which
3: kind of makes sense. Yeah, "Witches sure. of Eastwick" is good. I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be you know crazy yeah. about that one. I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. He did right. that.
2: He does uh, Lorenzo's <laughs> Oil in 1992, which sure. is you know that was a movie that that was it had some Academy Award yeah, nominations. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's well respected. Here's some of the others. <laughs> he wrote Babe One. He wrote and directed Babe Two, Pig in the City. Phenomenal. He wrote and directed Happy Feet One and Two. That's
3: amazing. Happy
2: Feet. Yeah. So here's a here's a good piece. And of he got, didn't get that won an Academy Award, right? Happy, Happy feet. feet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was all set to shoot uh, to shoot this movie, Mad Max, because he's been working on this movie for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he had he's had the concept for a long time, and he was set to start shooting. He came up with the idea in 1998, and he was going to start shooting in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, September 11th happened. Yeah. So the the uh, U.S. dollar plummeted, and he couldn't get financing, and he had to direct. Uh, Happy Feet instead right. <laughs> that was right. the movie that he started working on instead they are like sorry you can't make Mad Max uh, George can you make Happy Feet uh, okay I'll, I'll do Happy <laughs> sure, Feet sure that's, right. that's a good thing to do it's instead. a good comp he's gone on record as saying that he doesn't feel and this is not a direct quote but he's gone on record as saying that he doesn't feel there is a, an enormous difference between directing a Mad Max movie and a Happy Feet That's all just, that it's all just story they're all the same to him uh, which I think is pretty interesting yeah
3: uh, yeah that's really interesting because I would assume Mad Max would be a lot more fun I mean, you any. Think. I mean, anyone. I, I mean, maybe not anyone, but come on. Like, I feel like everyone likes an explosion. Everyone likes a firework. Everyone likes right. a boom. You know, what like. a lovely day. <laughs> <laughs> no, he loves it. But you have to be a little bit. In my book, I would. You know, it's like some people like if if the dog doesn't like you, you're weird. Or if you don't like dog, like if you don't like seeing shit blow up. To me, you're a little weird in my book.
0: Yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of explosion. Dancing
2: Penguins. Yeah. Which one? <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah. so this movie went through a, a number of iterations uh, while he was
0: working on it, but different casting choices right, and different, different production dates. 2003, they were going to try to do it again with Mel Gibson, but then the Iraq War yeah. happened and shooting in, in Africa was just not possible. And he got yeah. pulled into Passion of the Christ. And yep. He was yeah. started to become a very controversial exactly. character and Miller didn't want to have to
2: to, to yeah, do the yeah. movie with him. so we talked uh, on the Edge of Tomorrow episode about Bruce Berman. Um, Bruce Berman is this crazy, crazy producer in Hollywood. I think he's the CEO of Village Roadshow, yeah. and he has directed. We named him last time. All list the same ones: American produced. Sniper, produced. I'm sorry, yeah, American Sniper, Mystic River, Ocean's Eleven, The Matrix, Training Day, and about 90 other movies. Yeah, um, Edge of Tomorrow. I mean, the guy is. I, I nicknamed him Bruce. All I do is Win Berman on our outline here. Right, chuckle it's with true. that. Yeah, he's just. He doesn't lose. It's like nine yeah. out of ten movies that he'll sign on to make or put money behind. He, he as an EP, he just wins. Yeah, right. I mean, this movie. Think about this. Thirty years later, we're going to revive a franchise that starred one actor who's incredibly controversial and no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. We're going to go off of a script that is comprised of thirty five hundred storyboarded panels. Exactly. Before yeah. there was a script. It Before was just, there was a script. just storyboard panels. Yeah. It's basically, just a giant chase scene. I mean, Miller was ready to make this thing as a 3D film. He was going to make it as a 3D animation. Uh, He almost did it. So, you as a producer have to say to yourself, "This sounds like a good enough concept. I'm going to put a bunch of money." They spent 150 million on this movie, by the way. Yeah, I'm going to put a bunch of money behind this. It's going to succeed. The guy is unstoppable. Bruce Berman. Yeah. I feel like we should have like something on the show called like the like like the Berman Rule yeah. or something like that. Like yeah. if you produced it,
0: it's it's it's, it's allowed on the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Or like would Berman. Like what would Berman do? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Wwd. <Yeah. laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah. Find me, find me a producer who has a more impressive filmography, and I'll my mind will be blown. Yeah, totally. Um, so then you have Ian Smith as another guy. He's a Scottish producer. He he did the only reason I mentioned him. I mean, a lot of there was like there was like nine producers on this. I think. But Ian Smith had worked on Children of Men, Cold Mountain, Fifth Element. Some movies that in some ways have similar feels. Epics, uh, post-apocalyptic. He kind of understood it. He's won awards uh, in Scotland. So he's he's a guy worth mentioning. But uh, ultimately the thing I like so much about George Miller and about Byron Kennedy Miller, which they added... I'm sorry. Byron Kennedy Mitchell. Because right. Doug Mitchell is the other producer. Um, I like that he's kind of, it seems like he's sort of a family oriented production guy. Like he, he likes to use the same people. He works with the same team. A lot of the people that have worked on those old movies have worked on these. If you look through the producers of all those happy feet and babe pig in the city and all those movies, right. it's a lot of the same people. Same writers, same producers. So that's, that's really cool. The guy's 70 years old. It's amazing to see that he could keep it, his career together for this long with the same number of people and have another hit. And it's his most visually striking movie that he's ever made. It's incredibly yeah.
0: respectable. Yeah. yeah,
2: very very cool. So that's uh, that's like his directing credits. You know, obviously he wrote
0: and directed the first Mad Max and Mad Max Two, Mad Max Three, right? Um, and you know, you talk about the original Mad Max costing three hundred something thousand. Yeah, and this movie was made for hundred and fifty million, yeah. which without inflation is three hundred times the budget. Right. With inflation, it comes out to be like 150 times the budget, yeah, right. which is just insane. Like, yeah. Absolutely insane. Like, and That's why I think when we go back to watch the old Mad Max, it's it's really hard to hop on board with it after watching this movie the same week. Yeah. Right,
3: but, but that's not what they're meant to do. I mean, I know you both are yeah. saying that, but in the 80s, it was great. Oh, I
2: totally. I totally so it's agree. Like, it's just, it's like been dated.
3: Everything's changed, and so is everything, but it's still kind of... It still stands alone, and that's the thing about this movie too. For me, is yes, you know, we've all seen the old ones, but if you've never seen a Mad Max movie before, this yeah. one kind of stands alone, and you don't need all of the backstory. It completely no, stands alone. Yeah. It,
0: there's no backstory to this. Yeah.
3: That's what I'm
2: saying. I think that's why my comment about its relation yeah. to the franchise. It's not a Mad Max movie. There's no.
0: almost nothing no. about it, this. It's that a reboot that isn't a prequel or a sequel. It's not. You don't even they know just if it's revisit. The same Max
2: They revisit or not.
3: a few things, but yeah, yeah it's he, not. Miller
2: says in interviews, he says that that this is supposed to be uh, standalone, right? Yeah, it's not yeah. supposed to take place in the in the chronology of the story. It's just supposed to be
3: it's like they got the band back together and made a new movie. Yeah,
2: because <laughs> even some of this I had heard it's supposed to take place forty years later. That doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense if he's the same age. There's one yeah. theory that the kid from from Fury or from the Feral uh, Child, uh, yeah. yeah, from Road Warrior with the Feral Child with the with the boomerang. That's actually who the who he is because he has the music box, which wouldn't make any sense because he says he used to be a cop. The kid was never a cop. cop right. Right. Um, you just don't know. Um, so any, anyway, that's that's sort of the production development. We'll, we'll get a bit more into uh, money. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and so we, we should mention it was filmed in Namibia um over i think 120 days there were a number of reshoots um script revisions though the script was pretty small to begin with um they were going to shoot in Broken Hill which is in South Wales um basically Australian countryside but because there were heavy rains that year uh and it turned into a very sort of like lush
0: green desert uh, they yeah. had to, they had to move it yeah that doesn't work really for yeah, this movie no. no, you can't do it, it. Wouldn't be the which same. is cra- they also they also shot this movie in sequence which you almost never see in movies ever anymore, especially a movie like this. Right. It was shot in sequence, which I I find that incredibly fantastic. Like, that's just very impressive to me. And also, they had, what, like, five camera crews going all at the same time? Yeah. Like, instead of just, like, Team A and Team B, there was, like, five teams going all at once, all shooting at the same time, all in unison. Like, that's, again he's a george miller's a genius well so one thing that he was saying in an interview that i watched um
2: and, and again i i should have direct quotes but i mean they're long so to paraphrase what he was essentially saying was that one thing he learned with um animated films was that when you choose with an animated film for a specific shot it's your perspective on that exact shot right mm-hmm. so i know exactly where i want to shoot this frame right um he said shooting with animation or not shooting but creating animation was one of the most illuminating things to him in terms of camera movement so Mm. a shot could look so different by just moving the camera from one angle to another from from further away from closer in um, you could get so much more emotion you could get so much more out of a shot with just moving the camera Um, and I think it's really evidence that you know he comes back to do this movie after doing a couple animated films and and this is what he gets is this total bananas insanity visual
0: masterpiece yeah and he was telling his cinematographer keep that lead or the actor the one that you're supposed to be focusing on in the scene in the crosshairs of the camera right and this is something that the cinematographer wasn't used to like he's cutting off actors on both sides of the screen all the time but the reason is that this movie is so high octane there's so much going on all the time that if the lead or whoever you're supposed to be paying attention to is in the center of the screen it's easy to follow. follow and that's one thing about this movie with how much that's going on in this movie And mind you, there's so much going on in this movie that the CG that was used was to take out real explosions. Real stunt explosions because it was too... Visually stimulating. Yeah, 90% of it is real. So the CGI is, yeah, so you take out explosions, you take out the wires for the stunts,
2: you take out Charlie's Theron's arm, and just, and there's the lightning storm. Yeah. Everything right. else is real. It's, it's all just, practical just stunts. incredible. Yeah, watch that video, guys. It, it was like, my jaw was dropping. I was just like, I could not believe you guys were jumping motorcycles over moving vehicles, and the guys on the pole. The bending poles, Those yes. Was, that was that the was coolest was the best. thing. That was yes. the best. Yeah. I
3: kind of want to do that. And I want to be on the front of the hood. Yeah. So
2: I want to we'll, be a hood <laughs> ornament. So we'll get to that in a second. I, I do want to quickly touch on uh, box office. Totally I want to be a hood ornament. I love it. Um, box office critical. So Warner Brothers makes this movie, uh, 150.4 million dollars opens against Pitch Perfect, mm-hmm. um, 44 million domestically opening weekend. Pitch Perfect brought in 67. That's kind of unfortunate.
0: It is, but Mad Max did beat. Pitch Perfect worldwide by like two million dollars, so that makes me happy. Sure, kind of one in the end, I guess. But
3: it makes sense. Uh, Maybe it's unfortunate, but it totally makes sense. Mad Max and what it was in the past, which again we've all decided it's not. You know, trying Mm -hmm. to be that again. But you think about it, a lot of people might be like, "Mm, I might not understand that. Mm, I don't know. Pitch Perfect, so many people can enjoy, and it's a larger demo for that movie. Just just, totally makes sense. And I'm sorry, Pitch Perfect Two was amazing. (laughs) Just gonna say it. it Take your word for it. I won't go into. No, it's worth seeing. I promise you. I promise you a dinner that if you go to that movie and don't like it, I will go buy you dinner. All
0: right. I'm if in. you don't laugh Sold. out
3: loud at least once, I will, wherever Where are you, you want.
0: Where you guys, can I come? Where wherever you time. want to come. This is A yes. and B, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, they,
2: so it loses to Pitch Perfect. One of the amazing things is Avengers, in its third weekend, still made $37 million. Yeah, it only beat it by what, $7 million? Yeah. $7 million. And it's, it's
3: Avengers.
2: Yeah, it's great, but it's totally nuts. I mean, one thing we've talked about on the show and I, I was noticing again today is that, you know, basically. Um, I would say that like what Mad Max and Guardians of the Galaxy show us is that tone is king. Because you can take yes. a property that is, in theory, a disaster from a studio perspective, a studio that says I don't want to spend $150 million to make this movie, right. and you can say, look, if I do it right, if I do it right, it doesn't matter that this is a Mad Max reboot thirty years later called Fury Road without Mel Gibson. It doesn't right. matter that this is Guardians of the Galaxy, this this totally throwaway comic that was like a novelty book from nineteen eighty nine. If we do it right, we put the right people in it, and the script Mm -hmm. is good, it's going to be a good movie. And they're right. Right. So it's incredible to see that in the 90s and the mid-2000s, when the studios were throwing money at superhero movies and franchise movies, and they were saying, look, we're just going to rely on the fact that this is Fantastic Four. We're going to rely on the fact that this is Spider-Man to make these good movies. They were wrong. You can't just make a bad movie because it has Spider-Man in it. You can't make a bad movie because it has Fantastic Four in it. If it's bad, it's bad. Nobody's going to see it. Uh, so I, I think that's really fascinating that they, this movie did actually get greenlit I have a feeling George Miller was like the only way I can make this movie that I want to make is yeah. if I call it Mad Max <laughs> if I if I yeah. throw all the successful well, you know, franchise it's funny.
3: I was just thinking about that while you were talking about that it's I wonder if if this movie would have had nothing to do with Mad Max and it looked slightly different as a sure. new brand new action movie how would it have done it's interesting I wonder because you get that built-in audience because of the old Mad Max But again, so will this movie, now that all the people that loved the franchise long ago probably went to see it by now opening weekend, is it gonna dwindle off and not do better at the box office? I
2: think I think actually quite the reverse. I think the word Uh, okay, that's interesting. I I think that the general consensus that I got from most people that I talked to about this movie when they saw the trailer was that sort of like, well, I mean it looks so it's Mad Max, like maybe. I probably won't see it. It looks kinda ridiculous, you know, Mel Gibson, I'm not interested. I think the reaction has been so overwhelming. It got in, it's, it's still at 98% on Tomatoes. I mean, it's Which one of... Yeah. The greatest action movie of all time rated, yeah.
0: if it, I may say so. It
2: is the highest rated film on Tomatoes in in George Miller's career, mm-hmm. in Tom Hardy's career, and in Charlize Theron's career. Theron has won an Oscar
0: for a yeah. fantastic... Like, fanta- like Monster is an incredible movie. George Miller is won amazing, an Oscar. Which is amazing, because
3: there's definitely not going to be an Oscar won for this movie.
0: Maybe effects. Maybe effects. I, I, I almost wish he would get a but nod for director. I mean, Not for I effects. He won't, but.
3: See, but that, that bugs me if for a minute. Because if it does go for effects, the fact that stunt coordination and all this right. stuff isn't included makeup, in that. It'll probably
0: mm-hmm. win for makeup. Maybe costume, set, makeup, wardrobe. Yeah, set design, set, set design. design. Well, that's yeah. the one thing about the set is that George Miller, he's like, I don't want my post-apocalyptic movie to look like others. Which is why this is so colorful. Yeah. And there's so much going on. And, and, like, you look at the dust storm. Yeah. We're, so cool. You know, that's yeah. incredible. It's Burning Man. Unbelievable. It's burning you mentioned this, and I looked at yeah. the pictures you sent me. Yeah.
2: Unreal. It, looks yeah. like real-life
3: so, Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's, have you been?
0: No. My no. sister. She, she goes okay. every year. She tells me about it, and she raves. It's
3: amazing. So, you guys out there, if you want a Mad Max experience, you need to go to Burning Man. I sent some pictures. I don't know if we got them to come up, but they built the Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. They do the challenge. Two men enter. One man leaves. The... The cars that you're allowed to, like, once you get there and park your car, you're only allowed to drive what they call mutant vehicles, which look a lot like the war cars. Yeah. I mean, people are on, there's fire everywhere. It's amazing. It's so, so, so amazing. And it's What a lovely day! It's that. People go around saying that. But it's really, you know, if, if you want to, look up Burning Man, and there's a lot of pictures yeah. that would do this, and it's an experience you can have. And it's, yeah. You know, pretty much a live Mad Max.
0: One more thing about the budget is that not only... Is it uh, did it lose to Pitch Perfect, which is you know a sequel and it's very successful? It's also against the top movies of 2015. You've got Avengers, you've got Furious Seven, and Cinderella that are all still in theaters. Right. So that's a testament to how good it is and how much people wanted to see it.
2: It's also interesting, you know, if we we put up the graphic here from 20 years ago, we like to do this where we show the the, the same weekend 20 years ago. You know, Die Hard with a Vengeance opened that same weekend in 1995, Mm -hmm. right? And as we talked about it with Speed, uh, it's there's a huge shift that's going on with there's a massive shift that's going on with uh <laughs> like the earlier weekends versus the later weekends in the summer. Right. right. Summer starts in April now. So yeah. you know, Die Hard Three is sort of the only movie that really opens that weekend. You have Crimson Tide, which at the time was you know Whatever. Kinda was just like a whatever action. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they were like hitching their wagon to it. I don't even know what Forget Paris is. If I should have seen it, please tweet me and let me know. And then you have, you know, while you were sleeping, Friday is still in theaters, Bad Boys. So basically uh there was no movie that there was no movie that was a surprise like a runaway hit like this like this is i would characterize this i think the studio honestly probably looked at this movie because they showed it to test audiences they had to go into reshoots because the test audiences didn't like it
0: really for um, this one
2: for Mad Max. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's... It shot for 120 days from the beginning, I believe, of 2012 uh, to the, like, you know, four months of 2012. And then in September or October of 2012, they had to go back for reshoots because those audiences didn't like it. Um, yeah, so they had to... They had to add, I, I have a feeling and this I wonder is, what they changed. I wonder this, what they didn't like. This yeah. is just me like post like postulating, but like uh there's four different scenes or three different scenes in the final thirty or forty minutes of the movie where it goes to black and reopens. It fades mm-hmm. and reopens. And you you're like, oh is it over? Oh it's it's back. Oh is it over? It's back. Um and Oh I,
3: yeah, you're right.
2: There's one early after the lightning storm where they wake up. Right. Um that one I think is maybe planned. I think the later ones I have a feeling I have something to do with those reshoots.
0: Interesting. Um
2: that would be my guess. But uh, definitely an interesting movie to see what how it does in the coming weekends. Right. Um, I think it's somewhere in the range of like domestically up to like fifty six by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see if this can you know make its money back. Um, I'd be
0: shocked if it didn't at this point with how much people love this. The word movie. of mouth is pretty yeah, bananas, it's just yeah. too much.
2: D- yeah, totally. So uh, the first Mad Maximum was made for three hundred fifty thousand. The second one was made for four point five million, and the third one was made for twelve million. Um, now the first movie. Ended up in Australia, making a bunch of money, and then coming to the U.S. and is largely credited for popularizing New Wave Australian cinema in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, it made hundred million dollars in the U.S. in 1979. Yeah, that's Massive. Like yeah. that's and it held records for years, decades as mm-hmm. the most profitable movie in, of all time in the Guinness Book of World Records. Like 27 did, did years. Which ended
0: up taking over for it? Was that what it was? Uh, I,
2: I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure what movie holds the record now, but I mean, I know it was more more than 20 years that that held the record. Wow, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, Being hailed is a great film. Um, thoughts before we move into what we would call the ultimate action scene, which is just the whole movie.
3: <laughs> right. My thoughts a little bit about this whole, um, I don't know, I feel like with movies like this, somehow, the word of mouth and the way that we have technology and social media now plays into a large part of what happens with these kind of films. I would agree. The fact that you know, so, so to compare these to films, you know, in the 80s again with this list, it's almost hard to do because, you know, when Die Hard was out, you couldn't look on your Twitter and see one of your friends be like, man, I just saw Die Hard it was awesome. Right. And then me feel like, oh, cool, I should go. Right? It was kind of just... The immediate people you talk to, and maybe even even on TV, there wasn't as many entertainment weeklies or you know shows reviewing this stuff. So I feel like that's why it's a whole different, almost set of rules yeah. in the business now. So I feel like sometimes it's hard to compare what stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Did it, I mean, you I know.
0: Have a thousand. Let's see, you have a thousand Twitter followers in real yeah. life. You'd maybe yeah. talk to twenty of those people while the movie's running. Whereas Not you even. just tweet out. Like, it's how like, many
3: people are you going to go tell? Like, right, you like, went to a movie. Maybe ten. Five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I feel like that it's hard because it changes the game a little bit.
2: It's weird how our our culture, like the the critical response, works now. Because, like I said, I, I think that the vast majority this isn't like Avengers two, where a year ahead of time everybody knew it was coming and was like, I can't wait for Avengers two. No, it I just, know came. just what to yeah, expect. Exactly. You know, I can't wait to expect. Oh, it came! It came out. It was everything I expected. It was great. It makes all this money. This movie was like. I feel like the only reason we're talking about it is because it's awesome. We wouldn't be talking about it if it was if it was bad. If it was bad, it blew the world away. If it was bad, it would be that movie that flopped that we didn't care about.
3: Right? As in, as in, if the Avengers Two was bad, we would still talk about it because, and we would have talked about how it was bad. For this, exactly. it just would have like, okay, let's yeah, talk it about the. Wouldn't even
2: be on the show. Yeah, exactly. yeah we wouldn't even talk about. I doing agree it. with you. Um, so I, I do think that that's really interesting, and, and that's the power of social media. Um, so we normally do the sort of the entire action or we, we, we do uh, the ultimate action scene here on the show where we talk about what we think is maybe the most difficult scene to shoot or the most interesting or memorable scene. We'll kind of break the whole thing down. This whole movie is that scene, really, aside (laughs) from 25 minutes, roughly, of, like, a little bit of dialogue here and there.
0: That's dispersed throughout the film.
2: Yeah, and it's so short. Most of the movie is just a huge chase scene. Yeah. Uh, And so there's just a bunch of notes that we took that we just sort of want to talk about, things that you might not know about shooting the car chase, some of the more, like, miraculous stunts. The first one that comes to mind for me are those poles. Yeah. So uh, I have a couple behind-the-scenes videos that we're going to roll for you right now. Uh, and, and kind of chat over but uh, there's no sound on them more, it's, it's extremely muted so you can just sort of see a few things that's going on um, you guys haven't seen these? I haven't yet I'm no, excited to watch them yeah yeah so uh, a couple things like oh my yeah. God. so you think guys <laughs> th- this is them practicing and then you, you in a couple, like about a minute here you're going to see them actually driving doing this that's
3: just insane um, I so want to go play look at that
2: yeah, like it's uh, it's like the, you talk about, you know, uh, 150 stunt performers, some of whom were Cirque du Soleil, member, Cirque du Soleil members. Yeah, which yeah. totally makes sense. Oh, well, they had to be.
0: Some of whom were Olympic athletes. Yep. I mean, that's the Again. kind of person that's doing something like this. Um, just the core strength to be able to do that, pick someone up. It's just, oh my gosh. It's
2: totally insane. Like, uh, mind kind of blown watching it. This is, I was just watching this, and as I was saying, my jaw was just kind of dropping. Look at this. That, that's real. Those are real people audience. Those are real people. I so want to go
3: do that. Do you guys not want to be on that? Real people. i the only one that feels that way. On
2: driving cars with poles. So, So that's like sort of the scope of what they are working with on this movie. Right. Right? That's like, that's um, essentially, you know, you're in the desert and you're with 150 stunt performers and the stunt team with cameras has, they have like something ridiculous, like 18 cameras. You know, Mm -hmm. all different varieties, crash cams. um,
3: Well, because you never know what you're going to get. Right, you never, you can't physically know exactly how that scene's going to look when you're dealing right. with all these variables, and you're actually using human beings, not yeah. CGI. So that's why I'm sure they want so many cameras, and you only have a couple chances to do it right. God forbid somebody gets hurt. God, you know yeah. what I mean? So I feel like that makes sense why they have so many cameras.
2: Well, and it's also insane. Like so, John, so John Seals the cinematographer, and right. he he had worked with Miller in the past. Yeah,
3: who um, came, came out of. Oh, is that what He
2: came out of retirement to do yeah. this movie, mm-hmm. so you know he must have had so much faith. That's an yeah. Oscar. That it, this might invest cinematography. In it could. It, it should. Could, yeah. Um, you know, to be able to envision the way you're going to shoot something like that, some, some guys swinging on poles, and the way this all works, and string the whole thing together, and as we said. Before the script was ever created, there was a 3,500-panel storyboard, just an animated storyboard. Uh, And Miller, at one point, was going to make it into a 3D animation based on the storyboard. Mm -hmm. The actual shots in the film end up being almost exactly 3,500. It almost matches exactly. That's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, a couple other things to point out. Um, He... Miller invited playwright Eve Ensler to act as an onset advisor. Vagina and
0: monologues. Yeah. yeah.
2: So she was impressed with the script and the, with the depth and the feminist themes, and she was seen on set, like, counseling and consulting people, and, like, just sort of... It, yeah. it, it's just sort of a funny thing to think about that she would have somebody this, like, you know, uh, women, strength, power
0: type See, of personality on set. I disagree with set. you
3: because you think it's a funny thing because you're a dude. Like, well, to have these hey. women have to... <laughs> no, but, like, that to have these women have this counsel to have to let them know what to feel like she comes from she's taken experiences from like these women that are raped and beaten in the Mm -hmm. Congo and showing these other women who are actors that, you know, hopefully have not dealt with this stuff, how to act, mannerisms, this, that, and the other. Like, I don't think that that's crazy at all. What I
0: do have to say about that, though, is that I feel like all the women other than Charlize are overly sexualized and they're kind of cliche characters. You have, like, the warrior, the fighter, the caregiver, the lover, the mother. Like, they're just so one-dimensional to me. I was actually surprised when I read that that she'd come on because I don't think that... You're talking about the models? Yeah, the models. Yeah. I don't think that they but were I, 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 have I to argue it, to that.
1: Yeah. I have to argue that, Andrew, because if you look at it from a standpoint of where the, who they were at mm-hmm. the beginning of the film, they were one-dimensional as they were only the sexualized females because they're in the brothel. Right. That's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to develop into these new people. This is showing them actually becoming people who they are after they're outside of this. They're reacting to the world like it's it's kind of a like, it shows their character development. It's not creating one-dimensional char- one characters outside of that. It's actually allowing them to develop into two-dimensional characters. So you kind of, you have to see that development from one to two. I do understand what and-
0: you're saying, but I don't think that these women portray women that have been beaten, raped, and in prison their whole life. The,
3: I, I, could see I understand. That. I, I could see where you're going with that, but even the struggle, like if you, if you allow that and you, even the struggle of when at one point, uh, I forget which one it was, but she wants to go back because yeah, right. this other life that they're trying to create is hard. So it's like you're th- actually thinking of going back to a man who's raping and beating you, which is a, a theme that a lot of not a lot of women, but women deal with. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. there's a lot totally of stuff understand. in there that I feel like having her on board, you know, probably helped out. Because there are, it's almost like when you have a police scene on a medical show, like you have a real cop there to make sure it's legit. Sure, it's sure, you not know, like I, that. Yeah, I'm
2: yeah, it's like professional consultant, right? I, I just mean it's like in when you watch this movie and and watching the behind the scenes and thinking about how insane and intense of a shoot this was, the idea of having an award winning playwright that is, like, on set... Like, the the vagina monologues is so far from Mad Max in my mind. The concept of the two of them together... Not that it's... I don't mean funny in, like, a bad way. It's, like, funny in, like, a... What a crazy movie kind of a way. Yeah. I think thing? it's
3: brilliant. I think it's brilliant for them to try and do something because the vagina monologues, too, I, feel, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's... It gives its point, but it doesn't shove it down your throat.
0: Sure, and yeah. I feel
3: like that's also why why having someone like her on board was good because I feel like again we we get the we get what's happening, but it's not like shoved down your throat in a way where you're like turned off by it.
0: Maybe I wanted a little bit more of that. Then I don't know. I you just wanted- had a trouble. I had trouble buying their history.
2: My thing with the girls was mm. this, and I was watching and I was thinking a couple different times in the movie. I was thinking, okay. The, the thing we talked about, we've talked about in previous episodes, this theory that when you're watching something great in the action genre, you have, you're have you asking yourself the question when you're watching, you're like, is this good? Is this bad? Is this really good? God, I can't even tell. I, I'm just really enjoying it, right? You're like, you can't really, you don't really know. It's not obvious to you if it's good or bad. Right. Um, I bought like models with guns. Rarely do I buy models with guns in movies. They try to do it all the time mm-hmm. in action movies. They pull some right. model, they put a gun in her hand. For whatever reason, I bought it. I liked them as characters. Here's a question for you guys. Was Charlize Theron previously a breeder?
0: Uh, did they, don't they, don't, did they
3: I, address I th- this in the film? I don't think so. I'm she, pretty sure that's why she wants to get revenge.
2: That's... I mean, I, I was thinking it. To escape, it, yeah. Yeah, you... I mean, so she was like a breeder who then becomes like the, you know, general
0: of the army? Well, I think to... Because um, she gets kidnapped as a child, right? Yeah. And brought to the city. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, so maybe she couldn't have kids yeah maybe you know
3: and then yeah she I mean clearly at the beginning from what I got and again just, I got that she because when they first saw her driving the war vehicle it wasn't a danger like she was supposed to be on their yeah, side yeah 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 right and, yeah. You're and then she the like those
2: rogue she's like the general kind she's the of. only right. woman only woman that's
3: so maybe she for some but she didn't like they didn't just be like hey we got a cool girl let's have her in the crew like <laughs> right. she was there she was kidnapped like she wasn't there by choice maybe I don't think hmm.
2: did you guys pick up on an extreme lack of ethnic diversity in people were there any black characters in the whole movie
0: they're just all white people
2: right uh, well I mean they were Zoe painted Kravitz white lots of yeah. people I mean a couple yeah, of the girls you had yeah, Zoe right. Kravitz the darker skin I feel like, one, like and,
3: and there was I feel like of the other all girls. the girls were a little diverse mm-hmm. and I also just to go back to that whole model what gun thing I feel like it went back to that's the way that Morton Joe wanted them. Like, they didn't dress, they didn't choose to right, dress right. and look the way that they looked. Right, true. They were told that this is what you're wearing, mm-hmm. this is what you're doing, this is when I'm having sex with you, this is, you know what I mean? Yep. So it's, I don't feel like the whole buying into the way that they looked, I don't think that that
0: was their choice. It wasn't the look, it was the way they acted. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I, I think
2: something that I was noticing about this movie, and I almost use this as my thesis this movie is a sort of it's a crude metaphor for hell. It's like basically basically the world has descended to the brink of hell because Martin Joe is is the oh, wow. devil. He's mm-hmm. Satan. Um, his children are all these, like, either, like, massive dudes or this deformed little guy with, like, you know, they're all these sort of, like, spawn of Satan type of characters. The right. midget baby. Yeah, these are his angels, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're the only characters that are, that are the color scheme in the whole movie are wearing white. They're all these beautiful, like, right. they're supposed to be angels that Angel. he's, he's, you know, defacing. Right. Uh, and you basically have, you know, like, uh, Charlie Theron is like a fallen angel. She's essentially so, who's looking for like redemption.
3: I like and, this theory. And
2: Tom, and Tom Hardy is like sort of, um, I guess he's, he's a roamer or something like that, you know, between, he's, he's like somewhere between earth and hell because he's obviously had to do a lot of like horrible things to stay alive. Yeah. Um, and, and so I was thinking about that as I was watching it and like that's, Go. You know, it's like that's what you sort of with those those girls when you first see them in the desert. That was the first thing I thought. I was like, "Oh, angels in the desert." Yeah, like, that's what you're, you're you're putting. Yeah, they look they look it. One of the girls. It's the, so
3: funny that I didn't think that at all. The
2: main girl, the pregnant one, Rosie. Yeah, she's like obviously she's a Victoria's Secret angel. She yeah. wears the wings. Like that's what she's known for. Mm-hmm. You right. cast her. You know what I mean? It, I don't know. That was that was like the first thing that I thought of. So
3: right. You know what's interesting about the whole the hell and that thing is. I feel like when Nux who I can't believe we haven't talked about him yet because it's an hour into the movie and I feel like he was one of the best things about this movie um and a lot of the other guys when they do almost do the deed right. where they're yeah. giving it's almost like they're a, a suicide, on a suicide mission for their higher being. Right. Um what's that? Is
0: it Valhalla? Yeah. yeah. So I
3: feel like the, and they also I believe I don't know the verbiage exactly, but they there's a mention of him getting to some sort of gates. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So I
3: feel like you I, I like that.
2: Yeah, I thought it was what you're
3: saying, that thesis.
2: There's there's like I think there's like a lot of things going on. Here. Yeah. There's also the parallel to like this movie being made now and how it's relates to, um, socioeconomic, you know, the depression that's going on in our world, Mm -hmm. both with the environment and everything like that. And, um, Back then, it was nuclear warfare that was the, that was the scare when they made the first yeah. movies, and that was why they made these movies. The post-apocalyptic genre was born out of nuclear bombs. This genre is, I think, born out of climate change and right. um, you know drought. So, um, but anyway, the, the last thing I was going to say is that with regarding the stunts again, yeah. uh, in an interview, Charlize Theron said that the most dangerous stunt, the one that freaked everyone out, mm-hmm. was the one where Tom Hardy is hanging from the moving car with his head like inches off the ground, and uh, he's just hanging as the car is moving. Yeah. Love it, and that everyone was freaked. Out, she Anything was freaked out, yeah. Yeah. and she was, you know, she was like, If that was me, I would be so not cool with this. <laughs> um, yeah. I believe was the quote. So, uh, Tom Hardy's such a badass,
3: you know. One more thing, real quick, about the girls, it's funny because I'm usually that person that watches movies like this, yeah, and sees the girl where they just have like the hot girl that can't act or something and it's funny because I didn't think that once in this movie I didn't think like look at these bitches that can't act and they're just there I, I yeah. was on board so with I agree yeah so I was totally yeah. on board with them
2: so uh, okay we are going to get we're running a little right, short on time so it. we are going to get into recasting some of the things we, we do at the end of the show here but before we do I wanted to say to you guys, please, please, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Find us, comment, subscribe, rate on iTunes. It helps us do what we do. It helps us stay high in the ratings for for uh, to continue doing this show and other shows like it. Um, we are all on Twitter, so if you want to interact with us personally, we would love to shout back at you and respond to questions, things like that. Uh, so, yes, please find us online. And let's, before, without further ado, let's get into Favorite Line. Okay,
0: uh, I'm going to let you guys go first on this one. I'm going to hold mine back.
3: I'm going to let Steven play mine. <laughs>
0: Steven? You yeah, ready? Yeah, yes. we're, oh, we're
2: ready.
3: ready. What a lovely day! <laughs> I'm so sorry. What a lovely I, day! I love him. I want to go find him and hug him. I think he brought so much to this movie, and his... Arc and how he started off like wanting to die for this guy mm-hmm. then coming around to saving the other team, quote unquote. It just for me, his character was great, so I had to go with something that he said. And
0: I feel like yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like him in yeah. uh, X Men, but yeah. this is a total change. No, in his this career. Is, yeah. this is going to be that that movie that changes his career. Yeah, he's phenomenal in it. You love him the whole time. You don't want him, You don't want to hate him. Yeah, never. you never do. He's just he's just determined and dedicated to his leader. He's not a bad guy. And then when you finally he's see confused. that switch, exactly, you see that switch. You're like, "Oh, good! I wanted to love you this whole movie." And then he sacrifices himself. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's it's really interesting. This guy's career, Nicholas Holt, and we'll talk about it when we talk about recasting in a second. But he's uh, he's a guy that one of his early roles that I can think of is he's the son and the Weatherman with Nicholas Cage, which is one of my right, favorite movies. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he then shows up a few years later in the Tom Ford movie, A Single Man, I think, or A Simple Man, Single Man. Mm-hmm. I think it's a single man Uh, and at the time when that movie came out I didn't put two and two together about the weatherman I was like oh he looks like a Tom Ford model some kid who probably had had no acting experience and was probably in a campaign and Tom Ford was like you're beautiful I want to put you in this movie he then shows up in the X-Men movies Uh and now he's in this talk about a guy whose career has really just sort of like the ins and outs of it yeah Um, but uh, but anyway so so favorite line it's your turn Uh, I think speaking of the climate change line I'm going to go with the uh, Morton Joe when he is giving water out at the beginning and he says to he says, I believe to the audience he says, do not become dependent on water or you'll resent its absence. Yeah. Um I might be like a word off on that line. Uh, obviously I just saw the movie in theaters and I don't have I couldn't go back and watch it again. Uh but the reason I think it's so poignant is because as absurd as this movie is, just in everything about it and is awesome and crazy and th- the slam bang action thriller quality of it. Um <laughs> I mean, it's- it, it, it uh <laughs> You know, it's the most intelligent line in the movie. There yeah. was the, I believe, the CEO of Nestle went on record last year saying, "Do not be, you know, water is not a human right." That whole controversy, and it's just interesting that you would have the villain say something like that in this movie with the drought in California right now and climate change and all that. It's, it's just the, it's a line that really gets you thinking beyond the movie. That was why yeah, totally
0: so. resonated with me when I heard yeah. it as well. Yeah. So I have two again because I just love this movie and Tom Hardy. You have
3: a hard time making decisions. I really do.
0: You? Well, they're so good. Okay, first one is is. Hope is a mistake. It's a good line. It's a great uh, line. It's just, it's just, is the whole movie encapsulated into one line? Hope is a mistake. But then, you know, you you see what happens in the movie. The second one is, is, is right after he, he comes back, he rides back in the desert, he catches up with him on the motorcycle and, he, and he's like, I've got this plan. Yeah. We're going to ride <laughs> right into the war party, right through the, the, the mountains again. We're going to block it off and we're going to go back to the citadel and take it over. Pretty and then, and she's just like, uh, what? And he goes, look. It'll be a hard day. Yeah, it's just it's gotta so. Be a tough I just day. Yeah, it was just amazing. Yeah. I loved it.
1: Yeah. I thought your favorite line would be, uh, would be would uh, be a "They know we're defenseless." <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's great. I do love that line. And then the guy with the guitar, so sweet. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, all right, so uh, I, I do really quickly want to talk about the whole of hero and villain rank all time. Hmm. Um, again, this is, this is a tough one because you have to decide if you're going to go with Tom Hardy's Mad Max if you're going to go with the character Mad Max or if they qualify at all or Charlize Theron the first thing I'll say is in the trope of strong female characters in action movies that trope which is very weak to this point Mm -hmm. hasn't been that many of them we talked at length about Emily Blunt when we did the Edge of Tomorrow episode she's one of the coolest ones ever she's Mm -hmm. fantastic you have Sigourney Weaver and Aliens and Linda Hamilton and Terminator 2 but this is a great character like it's I know I said earlier that I don't think that she like makes the movie but in terms of if I was just looking at her part in the movie if you took all the action away and just her performances and her scenes she's great she's yeah. a total badass she looks awesome she's pretty but not in a distracting way at all mm-hmm. the fake hand I mean all of it is just she, in the female pantheon thus far she's a top 10 for me yeah. um, Tom Hardy's Mad Max is forgettable in my opinion it's, I didn't think he did a bad job it's just, it just he didn't do much for me and he does like a dozen lines in the movie yeah you know? I mean, I yeah. guess I guess Mad Max as a character, for me personally, doesn't even break my top thirty. Like some people like him a lot. It's just not something I have a lot of fondness for.
1: I gotta speak to that though. You mind? Yeah, not go ahead. To go. Please, please. You say that you say that he doesn't like break the top thirty or whatever, and he he doesn't say that much. And he doesn't really affect, it, and he's forgettable. That's kind of the point of the character, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the really interesting thing about these stories that they tell through the Mad Max movies. Is you look at this movie and you look at the world they created and how Max really was only just an added person to that world that changes the story and then he's gone because yeah. now they're in control of that place you have everything going on but it wouldn't have happened without Max but he was never the major player in what was going on with everything even looking at Road Warrior he wasn't, he wasn't like the main person from that story he's just hmm. somebody who drifted in made his made his mark and drifted out. He's always been just the drifter. He's just a road warrior. Yeah. So if, if, if you're only remembering Mad Max, then they didn't do a good job in the movie. You're remembering the story and remembering everything that happened, not one character.
2: So that speaks to the franchise, though, not the character. And in it, this discussion is ranking the character. So I think that's a fair point,
0: though. Absolutely. I think it's a very intelligent point. It's interesting because he's signed on for three more sequels, so maybe we will see him emerge as this hero. Which maybe. Which I can't wait to see. Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe.
2: Three more, yeah, they announced. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. Welcome, welcome to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, so uh, what do you guys think on the rankings?
0: Charlie Theron, top five. Female characters? Female. She's phenomenal. I love it. She's a badass. She, she's vulnerable. She gets hurt. I mean, she lives, which, right. I, which is also, you know, everyone has the same blood type back then. Uh, let's not even get into that. Yeah, sure. I but, know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was watching. It, I was like, oh, here's a moment where I'm kind of at, have Wait, to wait, wait, to wait, wait, wait.
1: You missed that. Oh, you, did I? No, you missed that because because when they're tattooing Max after they catch him, yeah. it has his blood type, type O, universal donor. Oh, they were using yeah. him as a blood bag. I missed that. That's okay. why the sure.
0: Okay, I love it. All right, I, I apologize. totally, I totally missed it too. <laughs> missed don't it. Worry. Yeah. Okay. So I got it. I guys. Missing. I knew that. Thanks for stopping me, Ben. Thought I'd let you make a fool of yourself, Andrew. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. At least I'm not sweating this time. <laughs> well. <laughs> Bit, like a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay, so she's top five for me. Mad Max, um, top fifty, maybe mm, just
2: characters. Just, yeah, as and a it, character, yeah. I mean, I guess that's fine. It, um, yeah, I'll, I'll put them just outside my top thirty or right in the right like thirtieth, yeah. right in there.
3: Yeah, I agree. I said Charlie Theron top five, mm-hmm. and I didn't even. Think about Mad Max. There you yeah. go. It's not in my like it's not in your top top, top thirty top to top fifty. Is like, come on, right? Yeah, you okay. know that's how I feel. All
0: right. What about the villain?
2: Uh, Martin Joe. I mean, he's good. He is a good villain. He's he. The thing about Martin Joe is so at the beginning of the movie when they put the the harness on him and the way he's breathing, he's very he's very Darth Vader. That's like the thing that comes to mind when you first mm. see him. For me, um, hmm. he's iconic to me in his look. Um, and I guess for villains in these type of movies that are memorable, he is pretty memorable. Yeah, um, he does a good enough job. Obviously, the, this whole movie—that's that's that's, just, that's the whole thing about this movie, this discussion of this movie and these characters. It's very difficult to put it in the same category as like *Crimson Tide*. Like, it's right. how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is what we're trying to do. <sighs> if, if you're just going generally, I, I guess I'll give a Morton Joe a top twenty billing because I think he's a pretty sweet villain.
0: Yeah, but. <sighs> uh, Really? What? I, I I don't know. I want to hear what, what she has to yeah, say. Yeah, go ahead.
3: No, I feel... I agree with you. He looked cool. But, like, how are you a villain and you get your face ripped off? But that's the best part. Like, that's, that's when you but know to someone's me, he a good villain. Like, he wasn't... I wasn't scared by him. Yeah. I wasn't creeped out by him. He didn't... Like, it was more of, they're all coming to get us. And then there's three different ways they're coming to mm-hmm. get us. And we're escaping, like... He was kind of creepy, and especially at the end when you see—I mean, I guess creep is a characteristic of a villain, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, especially when they're when they capture the one. Um, what's her, sorry, her name's escaping me. The pregnant girl back again, right. and yeah. they're trying to take the baby. Like that's all creepy and scary, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't like the Joker, or it wasn't right, some yeah. sort of like it didn't continuously be like, "Where's he at? Is he coming?" It was more of that's the true. whole yeah. message. So I kind of put him. Not even in my radar. Like I said, really?
2: he's visually iconic yeah. to me. He's visually
3: me- amazing.
2: He's, he's memorable for me, but he's not great. Yeah. So he- that's top 20, top 25. It's, yeah. it's just difficult. It's
0: hard he's to figure out. He's memorable the way he
3: looks, but he's not memorable for me for the way he made me feel. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's fair, that's fair. I'll put him in the top 25 because I look, he's got all this water. He's not giving it to all these people. He's got all these women locked up. He cuts open the woman that he cares about the most because right. he's carrying his son. This dude's a bad dude. He's not a good guy. And then the, with him getting his face ripped off in the end, some of my favorite villains of all times their deaths are awesome like when that death happened I was like yes right you know along right, with like right. Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator you've got General Hummel in The Rock right like there's these villains that when you watch them die you're just like yes right? yeah right and I had that moment with him and I think that's a testament to him being a great villain so I put him in the top you know what 20 I'm gonna do 20 alright
2: fair enough I'm gonna in context of the conversation I'm gonna drop him outside my top 30 oh great uh, you just desold me. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, let's, let's, uh. Good one. Let's, uh, let's get into recasting. Everyone's favorite Ooh. part. And for this exercise, guys, you know, we always say with fist pump and recast, we want to know yours as well. So please comment on YouTube if you have, a, uh, if you have a set of actors you think would be better than our recasts. Uh, just ty- type them up and send them in the comments or tweet at us either right. way. We'll give our Twitter handles at the end. Um, recasting the three characters of Tom Hardy, Charlie Seren, and Nicholas Holt. Go ahead, Steph.
3: For Charlize Theron, I could recast Scarlett Johansson. Okay. For Nicholas Holt, I would recast Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal <clears throat> now yeah. as Nicholas Holt. Did you see
0: Nightcrawler? I get what you're saying about Nightcrawler, but I, he's not young or innocent I enough. Yeah, he's, like, he's not like sweet enough. Yeah. He, he's not. But shaved head Jake Hall would just look weird.
3: But that's what it is. Have you not seen the previews for his new boxing movie? Yeah, he look yeah. kind of. Anyway. <laughs> and and I know you both disagree with this one, but I definitely think he could pull it off. Meh. For Tom Hardy, Jason Statham.
0: Oh, no way. Yeah, I don't I buy think it. he could pull Not it off. For a second.
3: Who who I do you got ridiculous.
0: that's better? Like, <laughs> <it's> too-
3: <laughs> no. Who do you got that's better?
0: Hey, you got one more and then I will tell no, you. No, I just who's gave you better. my oh, three. three. Oh, she did. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, Pay to attention. say what you were saying earlier. I love when you guys comment and uh, on YouTube yeah. about your recasting. It is so fun to read what you guys have to say. I always look forward to commenting back. Um, mine are Paul Dano for Nicholas Holt. That's pretty good. He's he's kind of Weasley. He's kind of creepy. He's I think he could. He's a phenomenal actor as well. Sure, so well, yeah. I think he could fill almost any role. Um, Emily Blunt, yeah, uh, but as that's Charlize so Theron. Cliche. She's it is. in it, everything. It, it, she is. But you know what? She's two inches shorter than Charlize. She's a few years younger than her. She's a badass. Yeah. I could totally see her playing this role, and I think, she's I good see, with I don't think she would
3: do a I don't. I couldn't see that. Hmm,
0: fair Emily enough. Blunt. You're saying?
3: Yeah, I don't think I could see her playing this role. To me, she's.
2: I think she's too pretty and frail. I was going
3: to say she's too, gen- she's too she's frail. She's pretty
2: and frail. Like, that's Edge of Tomorrow, she's, like, so small-looking. She's, she's very a fragile. Badass. Well, she's a
0: complete she's badass. Total she's total badass. She's the full metal bitch. She's kind of yeah. like a <laughs> she's amazing. flower. Okay. All right, that's fine. And you You're know, wrong, Adrian. You are not. You <laughs> Your opinion so is wrong. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm going to give a little shout-out to Steven here. He said Natalie Portman. I, I can almost hop on board with that as I well. I thought about I like head. Yeah, she's good. She's good to be for Vendetta. Um, The last one, and it's interesting because Tom Hardy was actually considered for the role of him in the new Terminator movie is Jai Courtney.
2: Oh, I'm not familiar mm. with Jack Courtney.
0: Uh, you you know who he is if you saw him. He's he's the guy in the new Terminator. He's been in other yeah. action movies. He looks a lot like Tom Hardy. Okay. Um, he's in the Die Hard. I think the most yeah. recent Die oh, Hard. Oh, that is, guy as Bruce Willis. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you're talking about. They them. have a very similar look, demeanor. Body he was in tight. Jack Reacher as well. Yeah, exactly. Right? I think he'd be a great yeah. replacement. You know,
3: real quick, but uh, you know, I don't know that we mentioned it earlier, so make sure we touch on it. That at one point Heath Ledger was also yeah. supposed yes, to be, yeah. which I think he would. have of course done great yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. okay let's see what you got making fun of mine Jason Statham <laughs> Jason Statham makes any movie a good action movie
2: so I want to Scarlett Johansson as well I think that's a really really good choice good um, mm-hmm. after Lucy as good as Emily Blunt. after after Lucy like I think shaved head Scarjo like I think she would just Scarjo I just said that <laughs>
3: out loud <laughs> hashtag
2: Scarjo <laughs> um, I think wow. she'd be really really good um I said Sam Worthington for
0: Tom Hardy. Uh, he, he, oh. him, and Eric Bana were both rumored to, yeah. to be the role, and they both denied that they were ever involved. I mean, Worthington is—it almost feels cheap to say it—just
1: mm-hmm.
2: because he looks and feels so much like that character. Like he's—that's like what he's done with his career almost to this point. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I
0: don't think he's burly enough.
2: His role in Terminator Salvation is essentially just like right. he would just be the same. He would act in sort yeah. of a similar way. Um, and then I went with uh, Anton Yelchin. Uh, oh, I like him. Little skinny, he definitely done that. Little right. skinny kid. Yeah. Fair enough. The one thing we haven't seen out of him is that we haven't seen that intensity that you see out of this guy. But then again, this guy is sort of fake intensity because he's just sort of pretending. Yeah. He's a
0: little. He's a little boy.
2: Yeah. So Anton I think he'd have to like put a little, a little size on. Yeah. A little bit. Um, but I think he could do it. He's right. he looks innocent enough. Um. So yeah, that uh, that's my request. That's okay. Sweet.
0: Um. Uh. Jeremy Renner was pulling for this role. Yeah, he was campaigning that? for it. I saw that. What would you have thought as him in that role? I think Renner could have probably done it.
3: Yeah, the more stuff I see with him, the more I like him.
0: Yeah, I loved him in The Town. I think he could have done it. I don't, I'm don't. i glad that he wasn't yeah.
2: in it. Well, the one, th- the one last thing I was going to mention that I forgot to talk about, really different than most of the action movies that we're used to seeing, the first hand-to-hand combat in this movie doesn't happen for 90 minutes.
0: Well, isn't there a hand-to-hand combat in the first two
2: minutes when he's running away? yeah uh, I mean maybe maybe it's him like maybe it's him like pushing people but in terms pushing, of like kicking, fighting, fighting kicking, yeah he yeah. punches a few people I don't know about that because I was I was like I noticed the distinct difference when he's standing on the tanker and he's fighting with the guys and he's kicking and punching and ducking and like mm-hmm. you know hand to hand like you see in these movies right. that we're used right. to seeing all the time um, I was like oh that's interesting like I ha- we haven't we've seen a bunch of cars and it wasn't
3: sh- as much of a fight as it was a struggle when he was trying to get away that's when you're talking about right yeah. when, he, when yeah. he was in the water and he was like fighting them off as much as a fight
2: yeah, because, yeah. like, yeah, we're used to these movies of people standing in place right, and right. fighting. Instead yeah. of him,
0: like, k- taking out all eight of them, he was yeah. trying to get away from them. Okay, right, right. I understand. That. I um, see a good point.
2: But anyway, that's uh, the final thought of the day. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, this was a long show, but we had a lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> very passionate. It was about a this. good yes. one. This is a very good movie. This is a good one. I can't wait for the next three installments. So, the, the last thing to do before we sign off, we'll be quick about this, is uh, we have to establish which category this fits into. Mm-hmm. And the three categories that we deal with every week are totally ridiculous: that is, fall off a cliff, of absurdity, face-off comes to mind, mm-hmm. um, totally legitimate which is like sort of like Die Hard the Fugitive, movies that are like very bankable and and could have been nominated for awards, Uh, and Ridiculously Legitimate, which is a hybrid category. It seems like most of our movies fit into that category, because that's why we choose them, um, which is the perfect combo of the two. So this is a really tough one to categorize. I'm going to let you guys go first. Totally legitimate. (laughs) Big surprise from the guy who thinks it's the greatest action movie of all time.
0: (laughs) Look, man, they did 90% of the stunts on their own. Steven saved my butt back there talking about his universal blood type. Like, yeah. They put in the work to make this movie believable. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Totally legitimate. I'm, I'm I'm gonna agree. Yes. I think it
3: might be the one thing we agreed on all day, but I kind of we am on board. Fun. No, we did. We totally did. We agreed on a lot. I kind of Yeah. It's, uh, it's like borderline ridiculously legitimate, yeah. but it's it's teetering towards totally for me.
2: It's so hard because <laughs> I is. wanna say
3: Say it.
0: It's totally ridiculous. What? Get out. What? Get out. We need a new lead host, guys. If you sign up on Twitter, <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> iTunes, Why? we are hiring Why? a new host. It's
2: totally ridiculous, um, and this is a tough one, because i it's not in the middle category. It's really not. The middle category is reserved for movies that are a hybrid. This is way in one direction or way in the other, depending on how you want to perceive the movie. I think that it, you could easily make the argument that it's totally, totally legitimate, because it's beautiful. It's a masterpiece visually. Right. It has... All of the things that you guys are categorizing it for correctly, I agree with. But I think that the movie is so absurd; it's such a, like an absurd, it's such an absurd movie. It's just a giant action sequence for two hours. Um, you got to remember, we only do movies on the show that qualify as being like you're like above the norm if you're in the categories. So, mm-hmm. so it being ridiculous doesn't make it a bad movie. Like to me, Face right. Off is an awesome movie; it's right. a great movie. I love Face Off to death. It's just that it's totally absurd to watch. This movie is totally absurd to watch. It's beautiful. It's executed extremely well, but it doesn't have dialogue to me that like makes it memorable. Like the characters are like, like I said, mostly throwaway. It's just a bunch of action scenes that are sweet See, to watch.
3: I think mm. the thing that that keeps it out of that category for me is that little bit of plot that's there. Mm. I mean, they're chasing them for this fuel that yeah. they need, which fuel and runs the world pretty much. Yep. There's drought, like the things that keep it. In in sense of what it's really like, I get that it's a huge big action scene. It's a big car chase, but they're chasing for this. I forget exact. Is it the petroleum? No, they call it something else. They don't call it gas, but they well, don't. They're call chasing. It
0: oil. They have a fuel. Uh... Like she's
3: supposed to, to. Like they're fighting, and she's supposed to have be able to get away from this and have the rocks come down and be safe because she delivers this thing that everyone needs. It's just like, fuel. It's just fuel. Yeah. It was just fuel. I mm-hmm. thought they called it something in the movie, but I feel like that's what keeps it. Yeah. Legitimate. Uh, <sighs>
2: just my opinion guys yeah, yeah. it is it's not always right it's alright man don't <laughs> worry alright well that's Sweet. gonna pretty much wrap it up for action wow. movie anatomy Mad Max Fury Road uh, that was a really really awesome engaging long conversation <laughs> uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did because I had a great time um, if you want to follow me or my co-hosts here on Twitter Instagram Facebook etc here's where you can find us
3: um, you guys can find me on all the social media platforms at at I-A-M-S-T-E-F-Z
0: uh, at Andrew Guy, that's G H A I. And once again, guys, please
2: rate, subscribe, follow on iTunes, YouTube, whatnot. I am Ben Bateman, Ben Bateman Media on Twitter, Instagram, and occasionally Periscope. We will see you next
0: week. Thank you so much, Steph. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com.